Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the Dormammu to my Doctor Strange, Steve. Welcome back, sir. Hi, Joe. Thank you for giving me the weirdest name. Well, this week we're tackling the first movie in the Doctor Strange series and the 14th in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Doctor Stephen Strange. On this show, we'll be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our Movie Planet Pantheon, and the comic book Movie Planet Preserve is comprised of seven and only seven films. In order to be inducted, it's got to be reviewed by us, and they are number one with a bullet, Deadpool with a perfect day, Iron Man number two with a perfect day, Dark Knight number three with a perfect day. Then we go into the, well, not so perfects. Batman begins with an A minus. Captain America Civil War with a B plus. Captain America the Winter Soldier B plus and the original Marvel's The Avengers with a B plus. Yeah, half of those I have not dived into, but I still wholeheartedly agree with all. Yeah, uh, and, and w- the weird part was when we did Civil War last week, it bumped out your boy Ant Man. But Scott Lang is a part of Civil War, so I'm okay with it. Yes, he is. Now, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the preserve in the future. So we will discuss the movie and in an hour or so we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. And God willing, we do. This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen 2016's Doctor Strange, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we have finished that business, let's get down to business. This week... We're discussing, finally, 2016's Doctor Strange. I'm so excited. Um, A movie made for $165 million that brought in, oh, $677.7 million worldwide. What? That was a lot when I read that. Well, it's a, crap. it's a lot, but when you consider we just came off of Civil War and it was a billion. Still, I mean, <laughs> when I look at this movie, it's like made for $165. Yeah. What? That's it? I know. With the effects in this, you're like, how did that break 200? <laughs> exactly. Uh, written by John Spates, Scott Derrickson, C. Robert Cargill, produced by the great and powerful Kevin Feige, and directed by Scott Derrickson, a, a, a new name to the MCU, with music by Michael Giacchino. Now, after this, Giacchino, Giacchino went on to score Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, and coming next year, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You know, it's real interesting that this is a new person who did the music because before every podcast to get psyched up, I go to the album and I listen to it. Yes. And I listen to like like their top three songs. Uh-huh. They are very slow songs. They are. They're very they are they're, they're not like I mean, I know this has your plethora of action sequences. And I was kinda hoping to get that uh jump up in the music that excitement but never got it it was almost like a thriller the entire time so it's interesting yeah it's a thriller but there's also there's a a a tinniness to it there's like a mandolin in the background that keeps it almost very eastern yes good job giacchino it's starring benedict cumberbatch as dr strange and he was also the voice of dormammu oh that's interesting oh he fought himself Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor as Baron Carl Mordo, Rachel McAdams as Christine Palmer, Benedict Wong as <laughs> Wong, Michael Stuhlberg as Nicodemus West, Benjamin Bratt as Jonathan Pangborn, Matt Nicholson as Caecilius, Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One, 
Chris Hemsworth as Thor in the mid credit scene, which will end up being in Thor Ragnarok. And Stan Lee shows up again as the some guy riding on a bus reading Aldous Huxley's The Doors of Perception. <laughs> hilarious. Gotta love it. Uh, but hey, let's get into the making of this movie. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. To learn the story of Doctor Strange, we have to go all the way back to 1986. Back then, a film based on the Marvel Comics character Doctor Strange was initially listed as being in development at New World Pictures, with a script dated January 21st, 1986 by Bob Gale. But for unknown reasons, Gale's film never went further into production. Fast forward three years into 1989, Alex Cox had co-written a script with Doctor Strange co-creator Stan Lee. The script had the character traveling to the fourth dimension before facing the villain Dormammu on Easter Island in Chile. A film using this script was almost made by Regency, but the company's films were distributed by Warner Brothers at the time, which was in dispute with Marvel over merchandising. Fast forward again another three years to December of 1992, Wes Craven had signed to write and direct Doctor Strange for release in either 1994 or 1995 with Savoy Pictures distributing. And in 1995, David S. Goyer had completed a script for the film. Then two years later, Columbia Pictures in 1997 purchased the film rights and Jeff Welch was working on a new screenplay with Bernie Brillstein and Brad Gray producing. Fast forward another three years to the year 2000, Columbia drops Doctor Strange, which then had Michael France attached to write a script and interest from Chuck Russell and Stephen Norrington to direct. A year goes by and Dimension Films, which acquired the film rights, with Goyer back on board as writer and director. Goyer hinted scheduling conflicts might ensue with a film adaptation of murder mysteries and promised not to be highly dependent on computer-generated imagery. A few months later, Miramax acquires the film rights from Dimension. So a year after that, in March of 2002, David S. Goyer drops out of the project. But they were holding firm, thinking that they could have a 2005 release date, which was announced the next March. A few years pass again, and now we're in 2005. This time in April, Paramount Pictures acquires Doctor Strange from Miramax as part of Marvel Studios' attempt to independently produce their own films. At the time, the film was projected to have a budget of no more than $165 million. Guillermo del Toro and Neil Gaiman in 2007 pitched a version of the film to Marvel with Gaiman writing and del Toro directing. Gaiman was especially interested in including the character Clay, but the studio had no interest in that. Two years after that, in March of 2009, Marvel hired writers to help come up with creative ways to launch its lesser-known properties, including Doctor Strange. A year after that, Marvel Studios hires Thomas Dean Donnelly and Joshua Oppenheimer to write Doctor Strange. And a year after that, now we're in 2011, while promoting Transformers Dark of the Moon, actor Patrick Dempsey indicated he was lobbying to play the title character. 
Another two years pass. Now we're in January of 2013. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige confirms that Doctor Strange would appear in some capacity as part of Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Feige then reiterated that a Doctor Strange feature film was in development at Marvel Studios that May and again in November. A year after that, in 2014, The Hollywood Reporter wrote that Marvel was considering Mark Andrews, Jonathan Levine, Nikolai Arcel, and Dean Israelite to direct the film, and was considering Jonathan Abel and Glenn Berger to rewrite the film script. Feige denied this report, but confirmed that Marvel was considering prospective candidates. And one month later, it was announced by Marvel that they were considering either Andrews, Levine, or Scott Derrickson to direct the film. Now, how did Scott Derrickson get this job over everybody else? Well, in June of 2014, Scott Derrickson was chosen because he had written a 12-page scene for the film featuring Strange and an assailant fighting in the astral plane while a doctor attempts to save Strange's physical body in a hospital, which based on a sequence from the comic Doctor Strange, The Oath. Scott Derrickson illustrated the sequence with his own concept art alongside storyboards from professional artists and an animatic, which he presented in a 90-minute pitch to the studio. This cost Derrickson an obnoxious amount of his own money, but he felt it necessary to prove that he wanted the job more than anybody, especially after Marvel told him that more people had lobbied to direct Doctor Strange than any of their other films. Derrickson ultimately had eight meetings with Marvel for the film. When he was hired, Marvel bought the 12-page scene from Derrickson, and it became one of the film's main set pieces. Now, when Scott Derrickson was chosen as director, Marvel hired John Spates to rewrite the script. Spates, a big fan of Doctor Strange as a child, had been bugging Marvel as soon as he read reports of the company searching for a director for the film. This eventually led to him meeting with the studio before they actually began looking for writers for the film. According to Spates, they talked all afternoon and the fit wasn't right, but he received a call from Marvel several days later saying that they were not completely sure they wanted to take the film in the same direction as John Spates did and were going to look at other writers. Spates told his agent to not, quote, Take that answer, call them back, tell them there's a lot of right answers, and get me back in the room, end quote. And after talking with Marvel for another three or four hours, he was given the job. Marvel never seriously looked at any other writer for the film. Now, during the early development process, Marvel, Derrickson, and Spates all envisioned Benedict Cumberbatch playing the title role. By the end of June, Marvel had reportedly been looking at Tom Hardy and Jared Leto for the film's lead as well, lead as well. While Edgar Ramirez, who worked with Derrickson on 2014's Deliver Us from Evil, had discussed a possible role with the director. In July, after fans and the media had also championed Cumberbatch for the role of Doctor Strange, the actor explained at the 2014 San Diego Comic-Con International that he would be unable to accept the role due to commitments to other projects. Feige stated that a lead actor would be announced relatively quickly, and by the end of that month, Joaquin Phoenix entered talks to play the character. Heading to October of 2014, negotiations with Joaquin Phoenix completely go to shit, as the actor felt that blockbuster films would never be fulfilling with too many requirements that went against his instincts for character. So... 
Marvel then placed Jared Leto, Ethan Hawke, Oscar Isaac, Ewan McGregor, Matthew McConaughey, Jake Gyllenhaal, Colin Farrell, and Keanu Reeves on their shortlist for the character. Heck, even Ryan Gosling also had discussions to play the character, while Reeves was not approached about the role. And Cumberbatch, well, he was still considered to be in contention if he was available. December of 2014... Benedict Cumberbatch enters negotiations to play the character and was officially cast. Feige explained that Marvel had kept returning to him for the role while considering other actors, with Derrickson noting that even during discussions with Phoenix, he and Marvel still wanted to cast Cumberbatch in the role. The company eventually decided to change the film's production schedule to fit around Cumberbatch's commitments, allowing him to join the project. Throughout the year of 2015, we get a flurry of announcements with Chiwetel Ejiofor entering preliminary talks and then confirming his role as Baron Mordo at the 2015 D23 Expo. In June of 2015, Tilda Swinton confirmed her role as the Ancient One, and Rachel McAdams was being considered for the female lead. And then she confirmed her role in 2015 at the Toronto International Film Festival. In September of 2015, at the end of the month, Feige stated that additional casting announcements would be made before the end of the year, and by early November, Michael Stuhlbarg entered negotiations to appear in the film as Nicodemus West, a rival of Strange. Kevin Feige felt that the visuals of the film needed to be a Ditko, Kubrick, Miyazaki, The Matrix mind trip. In developing the film's magic, Derrickson felt a responsibility to not repeat the representation of magic from previous films like Fantasia and Harry Potter, wanting to, quote, find a new way to make it feel more tactical and real and surreal and to root it in gestures as opposed to spoken incantations and things like that, end quote. Kevin Feige called Doctor Strange the doorway into the supernatural side of the MCU, a role that Derrickson noted was also served by the character in the early comics when the Doctor Strange comics broke open the Marvel comic book universe into the Marvel multiverse. Discussing the portrayal of other dimensions in the film, Kevin Feige stated that it would not explore parallel realities like the comics' Earth-616 and Earth-617 but would instead feature, quote, dimensions that are so mind-bending that you can barely perceive them, like the astral plane, dark dimension, and mirror dimension. Astrophysicist Adam Frank served as a scientific consultant on the film, having already known Derrickson and been a Marvel fan since childhood. Frank advised him on the human experience of space and time, helping Marvel conceive ideas for their cinematic multiverse, and suggesting dialogue for characters based on their beliefs, whether they were materialist, rationalist, reductionist, or had just this enlarged perspective. He noted that modern moviegoers may not necessarily understand these complex scientific ideas, but do appear to appreciate that, quote, amazing things happen from science. So by grounding your stories enough in science to not so much make them plausible, but to allow that science to open up new possibilities, people are used to that in their lives. So I think it makes sense to them and it's exciting to them, end quote. This was an aspect of previous MCU films that Frank called a great thing, saying that they build a coherent and consistent universe that respects the scientific process and that uses enough of real science to make things plausible or build off of them. Finally, in November of 2015, the casting of Mads Mikkelsen and Stuhlberg were confirmed alongside Amy Landecker and Scott Adkins in unspecified roles. Additionally, 
Benedict Wong heard about the film from his friend Chiwetel Ejiofor, and he went and sought a role for it in himself. He was cast as Wong in January of 2016 and immediately joined the production for filming. All right, Steve, do you remember seeing this for the first time? And what did you think when you saw it that first time? So this, I think, was the very first movie that really got me into the MCU. Yay! Everything that happened prior to it, I wasn't a huge, huge fan of it. You were still riding the DC wave, weren't you? Yeah, I was still on the DC. I still liked, you know, all the Batmans, the Dark Knights and whatnot. Those were the high superhero movies for me. Yeah. And then I remember you talk about, Steve, you need to go see Doctor Strange. You need to go to theaters to see this in 3D. I'm yes. Like, Doctor Strange. I'm like, what? The, who the heck is this? I know Iron Man. I know Captain America. I know Hulk. It's like, what the heck is? No, I'll just, no, I'll pass. Right. So what about you? Uh, For me? I wasn't sure about it when I when I went to go see it because I'm like, ooh, I got the same feeling I got from the Guardians of the Galaxy the first time where I was kind of like, is this going to be the fail? And I feel like I've said that over like the next like four of these movies so far. And it's like Pixar. MCU doesn't make a bad movie. <laughs> we they, just haven't seen it yet. Well, okay. <laughs> they have. Well, okay. Which one? <laughs> okay, listen. When I say a bad movie, I mean subpar, sub-average. Everything is average or above. Okay. Oh, right. oh, wow. We might have some disagreements later on. Okay. Oh, tease me. Tease me. <laughs> what movie's coming up that you don't like? No, I'm not going to save that for another podcast. Is it Captain Marvel? I don't know yet. <laughs> Now, I did go see this in 3D because I looked it up and I did see that uh, certain scenes were shot in 3D. And so, therefore, that requires me to go see it. And after I saw it, I thought this was the best 3D I had ever seen since Avatar. And this movie, when you look at all the visual effects they have in this, it was meant to be in 3D. Now, I'm assuming that 3D has evolved since Avatar because the wife and I, that was the very first real 3D movie we saw. Yeah. Is Avatar. I walked out. I couldn't even look at the screen. Maybe I, because the movie was too long, but just did not like Avatar. And that left a sour taste in my mouth. And I still don't like the movie to this day. Well, Avatar, I don't remember a lot about the movie, but I do remember how incredible the 3D was because they did something different with 3D than you normally 3D before then was just throwing shit at the screen and you know, you're, oh, you do that. This created an entire world with depth. After this, everybody tried to do the 3D thing and it just wasn't doing what they did in Avatar. And so everybody was kind of like a constant, like, oh, it's going to work, it's going to work, it's going to work. And it just never did. Doctor Strange, the first time I was like, oh, my gosh, when they're doing the hand movements and that, you know, fiery emblem is showing up and it's in 3D. That's. Yeah, that would would be pretty cool. It is is the one. It's flawless. I wish I would have saw this one in 3D. It's flawless. Um, But yeah. So after I left, I think I called you right away going, you need to go see this. You were in the car with uh, the wife at the time. Probably. Yeah. And I remember I was pacing. I was so excited. I was like, you got to see this. It's amazing. And I can't believe I like Doctor Strange. It's time to start walking through this movie with a synopsis courtesy of the Marvel Marvel Wiki page, IMDb and Wikipedia all rolled into one. Cue the clip. You're okay. A relative term, but yeah, I'm okay. 
the cloak of levitation. It came to you. No minor feat. It's a fickle thing. He's escaped. Caecilius. Yeah. He can fold space and matter at will. He folds matter outside the mirror dimension. In the real world. Yeah. How many more? Two. They stranded one in the desert. And the other? His body's in the hall. Messadrum is in the foyer. He's been taken back to Kamataj. The London Sanctum has fallen. Only New York and Hong Kong remain now to shield us from the dark dimension. You defended the New York Sanctum from attack. With its master gone, it needs another. Master Strange. No. It is Doctor Strange, not Master Strange, not Mr. Strange. Doctor Strange. When I became a doctor, I swore an oath to do no harm, and I have just killed a man. I'm not doing that again. I became a doctor to save lives, not take them. You became a doctor to save one life above all others, your own. Still seeing through me, are you? I see what I've always seen, your overinflated ego. You want to go back to the delusion that you can control anything, even death, which no one can control. Not even the great Dr. Stephen Strange. Not even Dormammu. He offers immortality. It's our fear of death that gives Dormammu life. He feeds off it. Like you feed off him. You talk to me about controlling death. Well, I know how you do it. I've seen the missing rituals from the book of Cagliostro. Measure your next words very carefully, Doctor. Because you might not like them. Because you may not know of what you speak. What is he talking about? I'm talking about her long life, the source of her immortality. She draws power from the dark dimension to stay alive. That's not true. I've seen the rituals work them out. I know how you do it. Once they regroup, the zealots will be back. You'll need reinforcements. She's not who you think she is. You don't have the right to say that. You have no idea the responsibility that rests upon her shoulders. No, and I don't want to know. You're a coward. Because I'm not a killer? These zealots will snuff us all out, and you can't muster the strength to snuff them first? What do you think I just did? You saved your own life! And then, then whined about it like a wounded dog! Oh, and you would have done it so easy. You've no idea the things I've done. And the answer is yes without hesitation. Even if there's another way. There is no other way. You lack imagination. No, Stephen. You lack a spine. In Kathmandu, Nepal, a group of rogue sorcerers infiltrate the Kamataj, an enclave that is known only to the masters of the mystics' arts. After beheading the librarian, the group's leader, Caecilius, steals a forbidden ritual from a book owned by his former mentor, the Ancient One. As the zealots escape through a portal to London, the Sorcerer Supreme traps them in a mirror dimension that is invisible to the public. She takes down several zealots, but fails to stop Caecilius and his surviving followers from escaping with the ritual. Steve, this movie does not start off slow. <laughs> no, it's like movie goes, Marvel scene, and it goes to black, and then you see these monks walk in. Yes. And immediately I think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. 
Is that the Turtles Back in Time one? Yeah, so that's the worst one of them all. Oh, but so for some reason, <laughs> that's the vibe I got. And I pause it and says, I got to write this down. <laughs> your your headspace now goes to the wrong place. Because yeah. right after this scene, whoa, there's a decapitation in a Disney property. <laughs> is this the first one we've seen? I think it is. They're not pulling any. I mean, they've ripped off heads of robots before, but never a human being. Already, okay. already there's a different tone to this movie. And you can tell how the second movie in this series is going to lean into the horror genre. Oh God. Yeah. This was straight up creepy. Yeah. But after, after the beheading, ancient one shows up and now you get a scene that I wish was so much longer. (laughs) Well, yeah, you ended up getting another version of this later on in the film, but this was the hook line and sinker for the film, for the audience, for didn't know anything about Dr. Strange. And they're just like, what is going on? Yeah. And I was just like, Enter the Matrix. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was this, just mind bending. This was like, okay, we like what Inception did. We're gonna kinda do our own feel to it. And they use kind of a kaleidoscope effect with everything, which is really, really trippy. Oh, by far. Like I said, you saw this in three D, oh. I can't imagine yeah, yeah. everything that happened during the scene. No, this is I remember sitting there and the people around me were like, Whoa. Oh, reminds me of a story about this. I saw this in IMAX also. So we're in this magnificent theater and it is a packed house. Now I'm in like the sweet spot, but there's still jackasses on the bottom that, you know, are just there just because it's a Marvel property and yay, yay, yay. Well, the trailer started up in every trailer. There's this jackass in the front row who yells out things like, yeah, Dr. Strange. Woo. And another trailer here, Dr. Strange. Yeah. And he's doing it in that voice, too. Around the fourth trailer. You hear? Woohoo! Doctor Strange! And the guy behind me yells out, Shut the f*** up! (laughs) (laughs) And then the next next trailer plays, and the next thing you hear is, Sawi. Oh, my God. I could just visualize (laughs) that going on, and after he says, Shut the f*** up, I could just imagine the whole audience just applaud oh there was applause <laughs> my friend but i just remember that I, I will never forget that because the number of kids that were around me were kind of like oh my god he swore <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. yes well okay now back onto this in new york city stephen strange is an acclaimed doctor and neurosurgeon but is also very arrogant and cares only for the wealth and success his talents bring now for me this is what tony stark would look like as a doctor and with less of a sense of humor. And I kind of like how the arrogance here is not endearing like Stark's is. No, I never even thought about, wow, this is a lot like Stark. Never even crossed my mind. Oh, yeah. It was his own character in this. Um, my question is, do surgeons and his techniques actually they really exist on the operating table? Okay. When- do they like talk like off topic and do things you know and oh tap their fingers and it's so completely casual in there okay well it's very very unprofessional but confident i can definitely speak to this because my mom is a surgical technician and okay. she says that when the surgery starts it's so protocol based you know exactly what you're doing so to lighten the mood you do have to do certain things here and there that's insane it is but when you consider that these surgeries are six hours long you couldn't just stand there doing this without talking to each other no i get it yeah it's got to be kind of a relaxed 
mentality. We're all are still humans, by the way. Yeah, but he is wickedly smart. And I do like when he guesses the song right. And they're like, how did you know that? He's like, how often does a guy get a number one hit with a flugelhorn? <laughs> <laughs> Feels so good. <laughs> As he finishes the surgery, Dr. Christine Palmer rushes in to show him an x-ray of a patient with a bullet in his brain. He immediately dismisses the case as hopeless, but with further prodding from Christine, he realizes that the patient is comatose because his medulla oblongata has been poisoned by trace elements in the bullet. Strange realizes he can save the man's life and goes to the ER surgery and quickly does a manual extraction with forceps, demonstrating his impressive hand control. The doctor who made the initial diagnosis, Nicodemus West, is left humiliated by Strange's overwhelming ego. Later, Strange and Christine joke about their on-again, off-again relationship. She turns down his request to join him that evening. Now, I like the dynamic of Palmer and Strange. I believe it. What do you think about it? Uh, yeah, their chemistry on screen is really good. The retrieving the bullet from the ba- from the brain, I think uh, I told you this earlier. It was completely silent. They even go, hey, so-and-so, cover your watch. Yeah, he tells Dr. West to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate concentration. And he's like, you can see it kind of retrieving this bullet. And my, I was like, Mouth open like, oh my gosh, this is so freaking intense. And, and I loved it. And he's doing it it's freehand. Just, and then he says, no time for showing off. And he goes there, does a freehand. And then he just takes it, drops the bullet down there, throw the forceps on the table and walks out. It's like, <laughs> the dude just dropped the mic on you, buddy. <laughs> yep. It was a, it's a really, and for, first of all, so far, this movie does not feel like a Marvel movie. No, not at all. It, it was a very, very weird start. And then, yeah, it's it, very intense after that. Yeah. Strange dresses for the evening in his expensive condo, pausing to choose from a drawer full of high-end watches. Speeding out of his condo in his Lamborghini Huracan. I don't know how to say that word. Strange heads north. He calls an assistant to consider his next patients. He's in high demand, but he wants only difficult, interesting cases. Distracted and driving recklessly, he crashes and the car plunges into the river. And as his car is wrecked, his hands slam into the dashboard. Okay, that wreck came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. That, that was totally an intense car there. wreck. <laughs> There's no one. I mean, when you look at this and the effects that went into it, no one should have survived this crash. You would think, but they did have amazing slow motion from inside the car that focused on his hands. Oh, and when like, his hands go in the dash, you, you just kind of sit there going, oh. How they shot that was really, really cool because they put his hands kind of in the forefront, sort of, but your eyes just gravitated towards his hands. And I mean, you're looking throughout this whole car and everything that's going on in it. No one would ever think, oh, let me just look at his hands, how, how they're going to do. Right. But they did something on screen, on camera, to have you focus on that and see them roll for us like, oh, I just cringed. I didn't worry about anything else. No, <laughs> not that... a broken arm, not a broken neck, not anything else, just his hands. Yeah. So it, it was really, really well shot. It's, it's a beautiful shot, but it's also, it's funny. This shot does something that I had a problem with in Age of Ultron, which is... In the action scene at the beginning of that, they kept going from fast to slow, fast to slow, fast to slow, and it didn't look very good. In this case, it goes fast to faster to super spinning your car, slow inside, then when his hands get close to the dashboard, it goes fast again, and it slams in. Yeah, it sounds so much better. Now, going back a little bit further, the guy's apartment is awesome looking. I saw the second time, this was the second time I saw this, and I was like... God, I wish I would have studied more in college. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. 
it's it, it's a pretty intense looking apartment. It kind of looks like Tony Stark's first level of his house. Well, when he's in the car and the guy calls him. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. So, he he yeah, goes through so a litany guy. of injuries, but the first one he says, Steve, is like a 35-year-old Army or Air Force guy who's got a spinal injury after using experimental technology. Is that supposed to be Rhodey? Yes, it is totally him. That's the first thing I thought of. A colonel who has a spinal injury? Yes. I'm on. And I thought to myself... Okay, that that's Rody. Who are the other two people? But Kevin yes. Feige came out and said it's not Rody because this movie actually takes place before Civil War. That was never established in the movie. If you don't hear Kevin Feige say that, then you don't even say that. So to yeah. me, it's still Rody. Come on, how can you not say it's Rody? Well, I, I'm I'm gonna say it's Rody because as I every time I hear it, I'm like, that has to be who they're alluding to. Exactly. Yeah. But then the other two people, one of them, it's like the last one, I think, is a woman with an implant in her head or something like that. Yeah. And that was one of the original ideas they had for Captain Marvel. Okay. Yeah. But they threw it away going, we can do something a little bit better. So, well, they did do something with their character that was better, but we'll talk about that movie later. <laughs> Much later. Yes. Uh, he is airlifted back to his hospital and Christine is there when he awakens, but badly hurt. His hands have had to be rebuilt and are immobilized in a framework of pins and wires. Recovering slowly after father, further surgeries, his hands remain stiff and shaky. He can no longer work as a neurosurgeon. And I'll tell you what, Steve, his hands are gruesome looking. Oh, they look so terrible. My hands just got pins. And when watching this, I just like had to flex them a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, things you don't take for granted. That's the thing that this movie's done so well so far. It's the visuals. The visuals are making you feel stuff. Yep. And uh, I love when he's in physical therapy and he just calls the guy bachelor's degree. That's true. <laughs> what a prick. <laughs> he is. He's still sticking with it. He's, yeah, he's still, still a dick. <laughs> uh, Feeling sorry for himself, Dr. Strange breaks up with Christine. He hears about a man called Jonathan Pangborn, who inexplicably recovered from a half-body paralysis. Strange finds Pangborn playing basketball, and the man tells him he found the cure in Camartage. Now, I love how desperate he's become, and the breakup with Christine is some of the best acting in Marvel films. Besides the opening scene, this doesn't feel like a superhero movie at all, and I'm all in. Yeah, I love the does whatever it takes mentality. He does it so well. Yeah. Because I feel for him. I mean, his all of his anger that he had. I mean, his hands were his life. And they emphasize that when they the guy extracted a bullet out of his brain. You know, you have to have nerves of steel. And, you know, when he people don't, probably, probably don't like his cockiness, arrogance. But you know what? When you're the best, everybody else is below you. So, I mean, yeah. And he knows I, he's the best. When he delivers the line, you care so much. <laughs> oh, that was a lot of emotion. That that was that scene right there put him in my top three. I, I was like, I want to watch more of just this acting group. Yeah. Uh, the breakup scene, it's shot really well. The camera has just enough shake to make it feel dramatic. But Jonathan Pangborn, Benjamin Bratt is in this movie and he enters the pantheon of actors who have played in both a Marvel and DC property. He was Halle Berry's boyfriend in Catwoman. Oh, stop it. That movie we're counting. It's a DC movie, Steve. Never seen it for a reason. Listen, Catwoman is as much a DC movie as Green Lantern is. No. I'm not saying I they're great. I <laughs> remember when that movie came out and I'm like, no. 
Just stop. <laughs> no. Still, Halle Berry in leather. I mean, I get it. Visually appealing by far. But yes. No. Strange makes his way to Nepal and wanders the streets of Kathmandu. He is noticed and followed. Mordo saves him from muggers and takes him to Kamartaj, where he meets the Ancient One. Now, Mordo's a cool character. I really like the actor playing him, Chiwetel Ejiofor. He's always good in everything that he does. The- one thing, yeah, let, go me, ahead. let me just say this. The one thing that I really liked so far, yeah. once he's gotten to Kathmandu, I think going to Kathmandu, <laughs> um, the story has moved on so well. A lot has happened, and you learn so much in a little bit amount of time. Uh, I just like had to stop and mentally think this is just amazing writing and storytelling because so much has happened. Yeah, I was 100 percent in the entire time. I loved it. it no, you're right. It, it It's paced so well. And you can tell Scott Derrickson, this is not his first movie. <laughs> no, you did a good job. Uh, there was a big controversy over Tilda Swinton as the ancient one. Did you remember this? No. Yeah. Not until I saw this. Yeah. Well, in the comics, the ancient one was a male of Asian descent, and people were throwing the word whitewashing around when this came out. But in my opinion, Marvel's always taken risks with casting its characters. So I'm giving it a free pass, especially considering how good Tilda Swinton is in the role. That's how bad we are. You know, I'll bet you a lot of people didn't even notice this and didn't even care. Yeah. Even if it was a male of Asian descent, it could have been a female of Asian descent. It could have been a little kid of Asian descent. Well, that one might have gotten some little bit more controversy, but still, <laughs> who cares? You know? Yeah. Uh, Strange visits. Oh, no, I'm sorry. She knows all about Doctor Strange and introduces him to an alternate reality where many hidden universes and dimensions can be harnessed for power and mystical guidance. The Ancient One shows Strange her power, revealing the astral plane and other dimensions such as the mirror dimension. Strange begs her to teach him, and she eventually agrees, despite his arrogance, which reminds her of Caecilius. Now, this is the trippiest scene in anything in MCU. That is so psychotic. How did he not puke going through all this? <laughs> I would have thrown up all over the place. But I mean, again, in 3D, yeah. The It's so funny when you watch this, though, because it starts off with stuff that we do know. We've seen acupuncture. We've seen the different, you know, cheese or whatever they are. And then they he's sitting there going, oh, this is great. You know, I've, I've seen all this crap before. You're going to show me an MRI now? This is nothing new. And then she punches his chest and he shoots out the back as a ghost. And you can tell the bewilderment, like, what the is this? (laughs) (laughs) And then she he yells at her and he basically she basically just transports him. I don't know if you got the same effect, because this is actually a, a nitpick I have with the movie. Because if this movie cannot be seen on a regular screen, it has a small problem. The stereo in this movie only works if you're wearing stereo headphones. I bet I probably would agree with you on that one. Because yeah, I mean, with every line that she's narrating that trippy scene out of, it's coming out of different parts of the speakers. And if you only have the front speakers, certain parts fall away. You think you know how the world works? You think that this material universe is all there is? What is real? What mysteries lie beyond the reach of your senses? At the root of existence, mind and matter meet. Thoughts shape reality. This universe is only one of an infinite number. Steve, she just mentioned the multiverse. Scott, even again, it went right over my head. 
Worlds without end, some benevolent and life-giving, others filled with malice and hunger. Dark places where powers older than time lie ravenous and waiting. Who are you in this vast multiverse, Mr. Strange? Yeah. She kicked him out on his ass at the very beginning of that scene, too. Yeah, it was funny. When he, when he was like, teach me, teach me everything, she, everything that you know. And she said exactly what I said about Solo. <laughs> no. Yeah. And she said it so deadpan. <laughs> exactly. It's like, no. Yeah. Take and him out. But she brings him in and I, he's like, what was in that tea? You know, some herbs, a little honey. strange visits camartage's library which is kept by wong strange becomes a voracious student borrowing and reading many books from the humorless wong when he asks about the book that kaecilius was after wong explains that it's reserved for use only by the sorcerer supreme and it's the one that kaecilius stole pages from now i personally love the look of the magic in this movie and more importantly it doesn't feel forced it feels like Every single piece of magic required them to do some actual studying. Yeah. It, unlike Harry Potter, where you show up and you move shit around and it's just, oh, look at that. I, I love watching Strange interact with Wong. Yeah, there's just, <laughs> there's nothing Wong about it. They're just so, they're, they're, they're perfect with each other. Yeah. Almost as good as him and Palmer. But when Wong is listening to uh, Beyonce and he's stealing books from behind him through the astral plane. Yeah. <laughs> All the same. That was a cool, that, that was a cute, cool humor scene that they hadn't had in this whole movie. Yeah. And that, it's kind of funny as he's studying, he's sleeping. So he's basically, his mind is never sleeping and I can buy how good he becomes as a sorcerer later on because of all the work you see him putting into things here. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally got that when, yeah, he's sleeping and his soul or spirit is outside still studying. I'm just like, okay, this guy's advancing pretty well. And even Wong even says, like, you read all these books <laughs> right. that quickly? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew he was something special. Yeah, he begins training and slowly learns to open gates to jump across the world. Steve, I want a sling ring. Sling ring me. Yes, I want a sling ring. Uh, I want to, I want, the sling ring might be, I remember a long ways back, you and I made our list of the 10 most popular, most powerful weapons in movies. Yes. And the sling ring, although not a weapon, is something I definitely want on top of a lightsaber, the one ring to rule them all, and the infinity gauntlet. I want a sling well, ring too. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to put the one ring in there, then I would totally agree that the sling ring would be in there. Yes. Because, I mean, the One Ring is not a weapon. I mean, in my list, I would include the, you know, the Sword of Grayskull. I, but. Well. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. Why? Why, moment. Steve? Why? What does the Sword of Grayskull actually do anyway? <laughs> it gives me the power. To do what? To be powerful. Just <laughs> un- <laughs> Super power that's like saying you know what i want i want leonardo's katana blades why no 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. well katanas are sharp but this is the sword of grayskull given to by the so wait you know what there's a movie about this we gotta <laughs> we gotta do that one when strange masters creating portals he steals more books from the library and learns about astral projection he learns the temple is part of a secret group saving the world from enemies in other dimensions and universes while training Mordo shows Strange a magic stick, 
a relic that can be used as a weapon and says relics must choose their user. A wand chooses the wizard, Harry. Exactly what I thought of. <laughs> he explains that Caecilius, a former student of the Ancient One, has stolen a spell from a book and escaped with three zealots. There is worry he will decipher the spell and call in Dormammu from the Dark Dimension to take over the world. Strange is upset and says he has not come to join their group. He's only there to cure his hands. We get the Mirror Dimension. This is the second talk of a multiverse, the first being of the Quantum Realm and Ant-Man. And this we'll hear about the astral dimension, the dark dimension, the quantum realm, and the Mandelibus dimension. Is this where Wong is in that chamber area and he's talking about all those different worlds? Yes. Because Wong is the great explainer of things. Wong is Mr. Exposition in this movie. He does. And I think that's just the actor. He just does an amazing job of that. Yeah. Like, he kind of dumbs it down for the audience in this confusing... Uh, thinking movie. Thinking movie. <laughs> Once you pointed that out, that did kind of piss me off. Anyways, um, that's okay. Well, one night when Wong appears to be out of the library, Strange learns how to use a time-shifting pendant, the Eye of Agamotto, which enables him to see the missing page from the book. Mordo and Wong tell him it is forbidden to use time spells as they can cause time loops that a wielder can be stuck in forever and also let evil forces into their universe. And uh, I love that they say the time stone can cause all kinds of temporal loops and unpredictable multiverses. I'm just like, you're, you're setting up 10 movies down the line. Mm -hmm. uh, we do get this is the time stone. It's in a stone. They they call it they call it Infinity Stone, right? At, at the end of the movie, they call it Infinity Stone. But in this, I think everybody that saw that, first of all, the fact that it was glowing green, we had not seen a green uh, object yet. And, of course, the Infinity Stones have to be multicolored. Yep. The green one, and he's doing time with it. I'm like, that's got to be the Time Stone. And, it, of course, at the end it is. But uh, it's pretty cool how he does it with the apple first. Yes. Yeah, how he kind of explains the time stone was really cool. And then he does it with the missing page, and I was like, oh, that is brilliant. It is. And you're telling me this ancient one couldn't think of that earlier? Well... They just left it ripped ripped up. It's like, well, I guess it's gone forever. But that's exactly it, is the only one who has access to the time stone is Wong and the ancient one, right? Yes. Okay. So, And we also learn later on that the ancient one is basically using... The dark energy from Dormammu's world, which they can access with this missing page. So it makes sense why she wouldn't put that back in there. Okay. I just was pissed that they just left another Infinity Stone way out in the open again. I would not call that way out in the open. That's about as open as where the Power Stone was, where Quill got it. No, I mean, because the Power Stone was guarded by nobody. Off, uh, some guy they just hired off the streets to be a new wizard just walks in there and just gets it. He even calls out, Wah? You hear? Rosie, taking a lunch break? Somebody <laughs> just walk in there and take the time stone. The power, st first of all, the power stone was guarded by nobody on that planet. Nobody was on that planet at all, except for those little freaking creatures that Chris Pratt grabbed to sing as a microphone with. Okay. Oh, nobody was in the library. No, but the stone is guarded by the people of Kamartage. And being that he is someone of that area, he's one of the guards of it also. So it's not like it's hiding out in the open. It's hit. It's guarded by all these mystical people. 
Okay, if you want to say that, I guess the power stone was guarded by a force field. That is hardly the same thing. You couldn't use a vacuum to get this stone out of here. Well, maybe it was a special vacuum. And even even so, you still need to use the proper spell to get it out of the eye of Agamotto. Well, all he did was just look it up and say the magic words. I mean, heck, he could have said open sesame in a different language. Oh, you are simplifying the shit out of this. (laughs) It was. I'm sorry. I didn't like the fact that it got left out in the open again. By okay, by by your by your thinking right now, you could also say Thanos didn't need any other stones. He had the power stone. That's really all you need. I kind of did think about that at one point when he had the stone in Infinity War. It's like, what else do you need? But I mean, it's nice to have them all there just in case something happens, you know. Well, I'd say that the time stone was definitely guarded by the right people, because nobody. Here's the job. thing, really, here's, nobody does a better job than the, the mystical people. Thanos doesn't get the stone until Strange gives it to him at the end of Infinity War. Thanos didn't take that stone. The children of Thanos couldn't take that stone. The best security system for the stone was the Soul Stone. Let's just get that out of here. No, because when the one guy puts Strange against the wall in Infinity War and tries to grab the stone, he can't do it. And Strange says, a basic spell, but very powerful. Yeah. Okay. I can move on now. Here we go. It was still left out in the open. It was not left out. How was that left? Was it left out? It was in a... God, it was in a... God... They should have had a better video surveillance footage thing and some lasers or something. To, if they got tripped, it's like, hey, ring-a-ding-ding, somebody's touching this powerful stone. <sighs> Where the heck was Wong? He was on a lunch break. Apparently. Wong explains that, that there are three sanctums in London, New York, and Hong Kong, where the group watches out for the world. He also See? They're watching. He also gives more of Dormammu's history that he is a purely evil being bent on conquering all the known worlds and that Earth has long been his ultimate target. Caecilius finally deciphers the stolen spell, and his group attacks the London Sanctum, a plain building with a logo window. (laughs) The backlash from the London Sanctum throws Strange through a door and into the New York Sanctum. The building is deserted as he wanders the floors looking at various artifacts. He notices a burgundy cloak in a glass case that moves as he looks at it. At the end of a corridor, he finds three glass doors that turn out to be gateways to other places. The destination is changed by turning a dial next to each door. The New York Sanctum is like an adult version of Hogwarts, or it's like the Guardians of the Galaxy scene with the Collector. Yes. Or it's like, I hate to use it, the Solo scene with that that one guy that had all the the artifacts. You just want to sit there and look at everything. Dryden Voss. Thank you. Couldn't remember his name. God dang it. Why do I remember? I don't know, but... This New York Sanctum is also an adult version of Hogwarts or more in line with Break Bills, if you know what I'm talking about. No. Ah, well, those of you that do, you can all smile a little bit. Okay. Great exchange between Kaecilius and Dr. Strange, Mr. Doctor. (laughs) Yeah. It's strange. Who am I to judge? (laughs) (laughs) That was perfectly placed. Yeah. 
Kaecilius and his group attack the New York Sanctum. Strange develops fighting skills on the fly. He gets rid of two zealots. <laughs> he doesn't really develop any fighting skills. He's running and getting lucky. He gets rid of two zealots using the gateways and the burgundy cloak, a relic which seems to have some intelligence, and wraps itself around him. The cloak chose him. Yes, he comes up on the cloak and it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> the cloak helps him subdue the third zealot and restrain Caecilius in an antique, bi- antique binding rack. Strange and Caecilius have a talk about the Ancient One and immortality, in which Caecilius claims that the Ancient One has achieved her long life using powers from the dark dimension. Once Strange lets down his guard, the third zealot revives and stabs him. Strange manages to open a gate and stagger into a cleaner's closet in Christine's hospital. He finds her and barely manages to get on a table as Christine hooks him to a heart monitor and performs an emergency pericardiocentesis to drain excess blood from around his heart. Woo! Say that word five times fast. That's okay. As I'm watching this, I had to, I had to watch it a second time because the second time I watched it, I was like, I can't imagine how you would direct the scene at all. I couldn't even imagine storyboarding this scene. How, yeah. how do you go from shot to shot? Okay, here's what you're doing, and here's what you're doing. How? Scott Derrickson, y- you are a genius. Should have done episode eight. I agree. <laughs> uh, that cape, is that Doctor Strange's Iron Man suit? Yeah, it's pretty close to it. It's just you know a lot more simpler version. It's got a mind of its own. Kind of reminded me of the uh, the rug from Aladdin. Well, hey, well, okay, yeah, it's more like the rug from Aladdin. When you say, I, you know, the suit has a mind of its own. It's called Jarvis. Well done. Oh, thank you. And when he, th- I love when he grabs one artifact and Caecilius goes, you don't know how to use that, do you? <laughs> and he just throws well, at him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the cape, he's trying to go towards all the axes and all the medieval where and the cape keeps pulling him away. Oh. He's like running in place because the cape, and then he's just like, eventually Dr. Strange gets the hint because the cape's like going, uh, dude, point o- pointing over here towards this thing. Use this thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, he throws it on it and how his body contorts and then falls right into it was, was really awesome. It's really cool looking scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you even noticed it when they were doing the close up of Casilius. One, the makeup job was amazing. I don't know if that was practical effects or there was some, green computer something done on that but i thought his eyes and how they did all that was really really cool yeah it was but i don't know if you noticed it why was he crying because he's in pain that binding I wreck I is not, that bi- t- well i mean he showed he didn't show like he was in any pain but i saw some tears go down no i saw and those I too like, and i was just like is this for real did they like not see this are they doing this on purpose i didn't i i, I was a little confused by that i assumed it's because the binding rack is painful all right yeah, we'll just go with it. Uh, meanwhile, Strange separates his astral body and continues to fight the zealot, finally killing him with the help of Christine, who shocks him with a defibrillator, killing the zealot. The zealot isn't visible to Christine, but she can tell something is going on and she's very spooked. <laughs> Sewn up and recovering, Strange tells Christine he must return and goes back through the gate. Steve, we get another cool fight sequence with the astral dimension this time. Yeah, it was very, very neat. I do love that the electric paddles have the effect on astral projections. I think that's a really cool idea that they put in there. Mm-hmm. And Rachel McAdams' reactions throughout the entire thing are hysterical. <laughs> I, She's just awesome. Yeah. She's a good actor, and she looks pretty good, too. She's not hard <laughs> on the eyes. Oh, no, she's not. I just love the scene where a mop falls, and she just flips out and screams <laughs> and yells. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's genuine. 
Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, Kaecilius has escaped, and Mordo joins Strange in New York. The Agent One also comes and suggests Strange take over the New York Sanctum. They're impressed the magical cape, known as the Cloak of Levitation, has chosen him. However, Strange is reluctant to take the position until they tell him more about Kaecilius and also about the Ancient One's use of dark magic to pro- prolong her life. Whoa, Strange calling out the Ancient One for drawing dark magic to keep her alive? Balls. Be careful of your next words. <laughs> oh, yeah, she said that. I was like, get quiet, Stephen. Get quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie also continues to do a great job of keeping the eye of focus on Strange's selfishness, arrogance, and ego, rather than start to put it to the side and be like, let's just make it all action. They're really focused on this is who this guy is. And I think that's brilliant because some movies have taken their eye off the ball on that. This is like the perfect character arc that you could probably ever have in a film and and how his his character has changed. Yeah. Really? Unlike some other films where there is no character arc and it's supposed to go in the opposite direction. Um, but no. <laughs> we will forever malign that movie. <laughs> uh, Kaecilius returns with more zealots and Strange creates a mirror dimension to contain the fight, which spills out into the street. Kaecilius uses his powers to shapeshift the city, as he did in the opening scene when he fought the Ancient One, and disorients Strange. The Ancient One returns to help, but she falls and is mortally wounded. Strange takes her to Christine's hospital, but it is too late. Strange follows the Ancient One's spirit in his astral form, and they talk overlooking New York City. She accepts this as her end and suggests Strange can take over. Steve, Inception was good. This is f***ing bonkers. How do you direct this? (laughs) I was going to say, which one is better? This one or the one from the beginning of the film? Uh, This one is. This one says, hey, you like what we did at the beginning? We're going to multiply it by an exponent of 10. (laughs) Yeah, did a really good job. I like the fact that the cities are folding into each other. Like Inception that folds once. Yeah. And that's the big scene. This was like, I I couldn't even comprehend all the stuff I was watching in this. Exactly one of my points. It's tough to comprehend. It is. And I think that was the point, though, was this is beyond comprehension. Yeah. They, they nailed it. They don't want you to understand stuff. They got they got it. Uh the ancient one just showed up like a boss. B- <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden you see that emblem right in her forehead. It's like, "Oh, strange was right." Call yep. her out. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't notice that, that until this time where I didn't realize that she really? had that little emblem on her head. Yeah. Um I put this movie is pulling no punches with the visuals when they show ancient one crash through the glass awning and just hit the street. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was so real. I've seen falls before that are a lot more gracious than that, like off of like any kind of Batman movie. But this one is just there's like no bounce. (laughs) (laughs) She hits the ground and everyone's reaction is, what the? (laughs) Where did this one come from? I'm surprised there actually wasn't more mass chaos because of that. Yeah. The scene between Doctor Strange and the Ancient One at the hospital it may be in my top 10 of the entire MCU. When she delivers the line, it's not about you. That means something now. Yep. And the whole, 
the whole back and forth was written so beautifully. When Strange says, I'm not ready, and she says, no one ever is. We don't get to choose our time. Death is what gives life meaning. To know your days are numbered, your time is short. You'd think after all this time, I'd be ready, but look at me. Stretching one moment out into a thousand, just so I can watch the snow. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a perfect moment in a good movie. Chad explains, you know... Don't, not taking things for granted and appreciate what you have in life. That was a perfect montage for that. And yeah, again, it's not about you. It's about it's being selfless. Yeah. You know, uh, he's there for a reason. There's a bigger purpose out there than just you. And it takes him a while to finally figure that out because of how he was at the beginning of the film. Yeah, everything she says in this gives you reason for his change of thinking. And although it's compacted, you really couldn't put any of these little pieces along the way. It has to be something where he's directly hit with it. And I think it's it's beautiful the way it's done. Back in the New York Sanctum, Strange and Mordo realize Hong Kong is next on Kaecilius' list. They gate over, but the Hong Kong Sanctum has been overrun and the destructive force is envel enveloping the city. Wong, who was guarding it, is dead. And Dormammu's dark dimension is growing from the location of the Sanctum. Strange uses the eye of Agamotto to start reversing the process, but Kaecilius recovers and manages to stun Strange, stopping the process before it can complete. Strange thinks of something and flies off into the heart of, Dormam of the Dormammu's dark dimension. Here, he confronts Dormammu and manages to create an infinite time loop. Dormammu kills Strange in various ways, but time is always reset to the moment Strange first confronted him. Dormammu is furious but finally agrees to leave Earth alone in return for Strange stopping the time loop. Back on the street, Strange sends Kaecilius and his crew into the dark dimension just before it vanishes. Go ahead. I saw what you wrote. <sighs> Dorm Dormanu or Dormammu. Dormammu. Yeah, Parallax 2.0. <sighs> uh, uh, 2.0. He's a lot better. Okay, I can that. accept that. He is better. Yeah. Yeah. He is a cosmic being. And, you know, much like things that are not of this earth, it is hard to fathom what that would actually appear as. Yeah. So, uh, I agree. More how did, oh, good. How did Cassilius, because as they're fighting, yeah. kind of he's walking, he's going backwards and whatnot um, because he's controlling it with the time stone, he gets thrown into a wall. And then he breaks out of the wall and starts to attack Strange again. Well, I think he stopped. How does he break that time? He stopped the time at that point. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Because I was curious on how he decided to stop the, like, how did he get out of the power of the Infinity Stone? No, they That's actually. That's pretty impressive. They actually used, to the, used the Eye of Agamotto, the Time Stone, better in this movie than they do in anything else beyond this movie. Because I agree. Because everything is permanent or it's permanently changed. And in the next in the next few movies that we see the time stone used, there's a lot of flubs with time that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, Mordo is upset that Strange broke the rules in using the time pendant and that the ancient one used what he considers to be forbidden powers to prolong her life. The bill comes due. Mm -hmm. Before she died, the ancient one warned Strange that Mordo was very big on following the rules, both his weakness and his strength and that Strange's flexibility would be an important factor when they worked together. 
but Mordo says there must be a reckoning and retires from the group and walks away. Strange takes over the New York Sanctum. He puts the Eye of Agamotto back in its guarded place at Kamartage. Guarded, guarded place where Wong tells him it is an Infinity Stone. Who's guarding it? Who's guarding it? Everybody there! What are they watching when they take it the first time? Are they watching Jeopardy or something? Go ahead. Sometime later. I've been thinking about that the whole time. Oh, what a... Sometime later, (laughs) Doctor Strange sits with Thor, and I'm pissed, and agrees to help him find Odin and rid Earth of Thor's scheming brother, Loki. And we didn't know it yet, but this ends up being a scene in Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. And then the final scene at the end of the credits... Baron Mordo visits Jonathan Pangborn and takes back the magic, repairing his back. Pangborn collapses, and Mordo says the problem is there's too many sorcerers. And we never see Mordo again until maybe Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. They better have him in there. If they don't, Mordo officially became Captain Phasma. Oh, I was going to say Mordo became Sinestro. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's better. Thank you. Uh, according to the yes. top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 84%. That's the highest we've seen in a long time. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, 42 fresh re- reviews, 8 rotten. The critics on average gave this film a 6.8 out of 10. And the critic consensus reads, Doctor Strange artfully balances his outer source material against the blockbuster constraints of the MCU, delivering a thoroughly entertaining superhero origin story in the bargain. And the audience score is an 86% with a 4.07 out of 5 for the audience. So, hey, movie's over, Steve. Were you entertained? Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. What do you think? I, this is, this is not a rewatchable movie, uh, but I love watching this movie. Like, I can't see myself putting this on the background. But every time I watch the MCU, I look forward to watching this movie. Yeah. This is not a background movie, no, because there's too much going on. You have to pay attention to it. I agree. Yeah. It's a thinking movie, right? (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because you put a lot of thought into one aspect of this movie. Yeah. The fact that nobody guards anything in this film. It's guarded. Guarded by the, they need a freaking go through a training again. They need to go to a PLC and learn how to guard. Okay, question for you, sir. Go ahead. You know what? This is probably in your bottom three, so we'll get to it then. Okay. <laughs> did the okay. awards? Did the awards get it right? Okay, at the Academy Awards, it got uh, one nomination for visual effects. Uh, the Jungle Book won, though. Do you agree? Uh, I think so. The Jungle Book was freaking phenomenal on how they did it i mean dr strange was bizarre and visually crazy yeah but the jungle book did a really good job i thought the jungle book was fantastic looking and it's kind of this is a pretty heavy category because you also had kubo in the two strings which was a stop motion movie which i think is also a brilliant film uh, yeah, but then I, there's this rogue think, one shit at the end there so well if they would have had the tie fighter scene it would have been a good shot you know what maybe <laughs> Missed opportunity, Lucasfilm. Okay. Yeah. And then at the Saturn Awards, Best Actor. Uh, let's see, who is it? It's uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for Doctor Strange, but he does not win. It goes to Ryan Reynolds for Deadpool. Yeah, I agree with that one. I'm going to disagree. 
Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm going to disagree because Ryan Reynolds is playing Ryan Reynolds. Benedict Cumberbatch, he acts in this movie. Best comic to film picture. That's pretty good. Doctor Strange wins, and it beats out Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Captain America Civil War, Deadpool, Suicide Squad, and X-Men Apocalypse. Do you agree that Doctor Strange wins this category? So what's the premise for comic to film picture? How do they how do they judge that? Uh it was a comic book and now it's a film. Yeah, I guess. Like I, I mean, know I'm you're pretty... teetering on Civil War. No, actually I was teetering more on um Batman v Superman. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, you yeah, DC lover! <laughs> you didn't want to say really Suicide like Squad? <laughs> uh, no, but I really did like Batman v Superman, the extended edition. That's the only one I saw. Oh, yes. The one that had in the right order all the scenes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I guess Doctor Strange. I, I can go with that one. That, that was It was too wild. Okay. It. Uh, best costume design goes to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them over Doctor Strange. Uh, I could do yeah. Best director goes to Gareth Edwards for Rogue One. And he beat both Anthony and Joe Russo for Captain America Civil War and Scott Derrickson for Doctor Strange. I think Derrickson should have beaten at least Gareth Edwards in this category. Yeah, I you, you did a couple plugs for uh, Derrickson in this since we talked about it, and you've convinced me that this is tough to direct, so I, I, I give the nod to him, too. Yeah. Best makeup? Star Trek Beyond over Doctor Strange. Now, there wasn't a whole lot of makeup in this one outside of what their faces and what they had in their eyes, but, you know, it, it's hard to beat best makeup when the people you're beating or have aliens in them. Yeah. So I kind of got to give it to that. Yep. Uh, best music? Of course it went to La La Land. It's a musical. Oh. <laughs> the only musical in the yeah. bunch that's there. Okay, <laughs> then, that, then that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, best production design went to the BFG? Fuck you. Sorry. Told me to stay away from this. Yep. So stayed away from it. Sorry, <laughs> Doctor Strange should have won this one for production design because everything in this looked amazing every scene and the bfg looks too it looked too computer generated um best special effects went to rogue one you <laughs> oh wow wow nope wow sorry the only one that i thought but i would put over dr strange would be the jungle book i exactly yeah uh best supporting <sighs> actress went to tilda swinton for dr strange kind of i got to agree with that over 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 oh. your girl, Scarlett Johansson, for Civil I War. See, I see, I see that. But she does do a really good job. I, even though Scarlett Johansson is very visually pleased, again, such a great actress. I'll give her that. Phil mm -hmm. Swinton does do a really good job. All the lines that she said that she mentioned earlier are just perfectly, you know, acted. Yeah, and then finally, best writing. It, it went to Arrival, which Arrival is a brilliant movie, and I, I have to agree with it. I mean, it's up against Deadpool, Doctor Strange, Hell or High Water, Rogue One, and the BFG. Of those, I, saw, I could see any of the first four there winning. Yes. Now, when I first saw this, I saw Best Writing, Arrival. That wasn't the Charlie Sheen Arrival. <laughs> no, nope. it's at the Amy the, Adams like, one. Which one. And then I just thought about which one it was, and yeah, that was a pretty unique film. It was your typical alien, but it had some 
Might have been another thinking movie. It had some depth with it, too. Yes. Uh, all right. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie. And then we talk over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. Let's start with the top three. Steve, go for it. I cannot just tell you how much I enjoy this segment of the show. <laughs> so for top three, my yeah. number three is Wong's Wisdom. Wong's Wisdom. Wong is the – he every time he speaks – you just, he's very, very fun to listen to. Yes. And he explains things to the character, but at the audience at the same time. He just does a great, absolutely great job doing that. Okay. Uh, my number two, Benedict as Mr. Doctor Strange. Um, his scenes are so passionate and that they're awesome, especially the one where he's arguing with the girlfriend, Palmer. Yes. That was just very well done. Mm -hmm. And no, this is good. <laughs> You yeah, might, I don't know. Here we go. <laughs> Number one, the manipulation of time, just rewinding it and its effects. <laughs> I can understand moving back in time and all that other stuff because I saw see Back to the Future. Yeah, but I just thought the special effects with rewinding time, the whole Apple sequence, as small and the computer generations just on that. It explains everything right there, and I thought that was really cool. And they even um, got it down to the candle that was in the room when they were doing the apple, because they candle flickers backwards also. See, I didn't even notice that. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Uh, what were yours? Okay, my number three is, there are great quotes from great characters, but they're very small quotes. But because of their context and when they were put in there, they have bigger meaning. The bill comes due. I mean... Chiwetel Ejiofor could only deliver that line as well as he does it. And when she turns to him, when, when Tilda Swinton turns to Strange and says, it's not about you. It's like we've been all trying to say this to this guy all along, and he's finally going to get it. Yep. My number three is, this is the first origin movie that doesn't feature any original Avengers. That is how strong it is. It still made $677 million at the box office without any other heroes in it. And my number one, introducing the mystical into the MCU was a risky move, but it totally pays off. I did a good job doing it. Yeah. And now, Steve. Oh, here we go. The bottom three. Time to vent. Go for it, Steve. Okay, so number three, all the twists and the turns in the city fight. Visually, it's just way too much going on at one time. I couldn't imagine sitting in a theater in 3D and all of this <laughs> is coming at you at the same time. Just looking at it at a 2D screen on my TV, I, I feel like I almost got cheated because there was so much going on. It does feel um, like a roller coaster. I, th I think I would just get sick in a 3D movie just watching this being like, whoa, what's going on? Number two, everything being related to beyond time. Okay. Like there's this other realm that doesn't have time. Right. That just I just can't comprehend that. I mean, I don't know if anybody can. You can't, and that's the whole point. Everything's used to time. So my mind just doesn't work like that. But that's so kind of the, kept, that was the point. I, the point is not to know, is to be confused and not know what that not know what that means. That just doesn't that that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, okay. How <laughs> think about this. If you're trying to explain to the audience something incomprehensible to the mind, and you have to do it visually you make it look as confusing as possible. I mean, think of uh, the movie Interstellar. 
when yeah. they go to the fourth dimension. We can't comprehend that, but they tried to visually show it to you. And even after the end, you're like, I, I still don't understand where I was. That's the point. You can't comprehend it. But at least you have a visual for it. So the goal was to visually show that I don't know what's going on. Yes. Because if they showed it to you, you'd be like, well, that's easy. I can comprehend that. That's exactly what you would say if you understood the scene all the way. You'd be like, that's not incomprehensible, Joe. I understand what that is. That would make your bottom three then. Number one. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to change my number one. Oh, well, this, this is excellent. Excellent. One. Because I don't agree with your number one. So let's I'm go. With change your number one. my number one. The fact that an infinity stone was left unguarded in the middle that anybody can take it. it not anybody can take <laughs> it. Only people who have access to Kamartaj have access to that. And even so, Mordo, Wong, Mordo could have walked in there and taken it. Granted, no. he is a rule follower. He's a rule follower. Exactly. Because he's a guardian like, of the time stone. But it's just seen, and at the very end, it seems just, especially the post-credit scene, sounds like he's deviling into the little bit of the dark side. And if anybody could grab it, wouldn't Kaecilius have gotten it at the very beginning? You know, and I thought about that, too, which is why originally the weak, the weak storyline, that, that just seemed like really stupid that he wouldn't just go in there and get it. I mean, he's right there. He just killed everybody in the, in that sanctum. Just go get it. Even just put it around your neck and then figure. We know he can say the words because he opened up the portal to uh, let Darmomum knew. Uh, see, I still don't know how to say Or did Kaecilius not take it because he also knew how powerful that was and that it couldn't get out in the open like that? No. Exactly. Because everybody that goes to Kamartaj to study becomes a guardian of that stone. Except strength. He He's just there. takes it and uses it. Well, yeah, because and that's what makes him the Sorcerer Supreme, is that He's willing to do the things that Mordo is not willing to do. I feel like any villain can come in there and take it. Well, then a villain would have, but no villain in the entire MCU was able to do it. Well, not yet. Not, not ever. Not yet. What do you mean not yet? Who does? Explain well, to me right now who does since you're throwing the yet in there. Well, Thanos can easily come down. Thanos doesn't do it, though. He doesn't because Strange takes it and puts it way out in the open, into the real world where anybody can take it. Yeah. And, and Thanos it to his home planet. That's the worst place to take it. Really? Did they win? <laughs> One in 14 million, Steve. I'm talking, I'm talking One about. One in 14 million. Putting an infinity stone where anybody, even a villain, can take it. And that did happen. Yes, he did. they lose? Yes. Okay. Okay? But it was still taken. But he still... But that's the thing. He... It was not taken. It was given. It was given. It was given. put in a position where... It, could it was given. He handed it to Thanos. It's even worse. Maybe if he would have left it right where it was, it would have been better. No. Because, because the only way they win is if they give the people. stone. I'm just going to have to agree to disagree on this one. I, I know. Like it's, it. it's, it's okay, JC. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. What are your bottom three? Because I'm pretty sure they're guarded very well. Uh, when Wong gets everyone ready in the Hong Kong sanctum, he should be speaking their native language, not English. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And since I know that you love language issues in movies, I'm surprised you didn't have that one in there. No, it, it was. It, I guess it was just quick, and it didn't even phase me. You know. Yeah. Uh, I could have used a little more backstory on Dormammu. Like, what is it? Why does he want to conquer the worlds? Well, like I said, he's Parallax 2.0. He's not, he just wants to dominate. And my number one, certain scenes rely too much on the 3D effect and or the stereo sound effect. Now, if I had okay. stereo sound in my apartment, then I probably wouldn't even have this as a grape. You know, I got yeah. a cheap little TV. I watch it on that. And so I don't have the theatrical experience that I wish I could have. Uh, maybe someday when I grow up, I'll have all those toys, but I don't. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's time for the critics rating. We use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. A C is considered average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. If the movie is so bad, it receives F from all the hosts. It goes to a new category of movie. We should call it the, sl- the solo killer, uh, the global killer. A category wow. movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So the question is, what do you give Doctor Strange and the comic book feature film genre? Steve, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I will go first because I think you need the last word because this is you, this has been your baby for a while. Okay. So I will go first and you can have the last word. Go for it. Um, First off, this is nowhere near solo. I'm just going to say that right now. (laughs) Um, This film is the most bizarre visually of all the Marvel movies. Yes, this is weirder than the Guardians and that some unique characters and places to visit. This movie just has a basic storyline. An egotistical, pompous prick gets limited and does whatever he can do to fix himself along the way and then just becomes self-righteous. It really was a perfect character arc. Going into this movie, the title really says it all. Strange. (laughs) But being different doesn't mean that something is bad. It simply gives us a different perspective. To begin my perspective on the villain, Cassilius, yes, (laughs) one could argue that Dormammu, did I say it right? Yep. Should be the main villain. But that would be saying that Thanos is the main villain for Guardians in every movie after because he's the main dude behind it all. In my opinion, no. Who is the one that's front and center? Cassilius? He's like a dark side Anakin. I like that. A former student who fell to the dark side. It pains me to even write Anakin and Cassilius in the same sentence. I guess that's the biasness in me. I'll take a dark side Anakin any day. It is, he isn't, to me, a very memorable villain in this one and can be easily be brushed aside. I put him on par with Ivan Vanko from Iron Man 2. I don't want to spend too much time on this one because time is a killer of all things. The ultimate villain in life. It couldn't be more true of a statement as any. This would be stellar to see in 3D IMAX. I missed out on that one for sure. Should have taken your word for it, Joe. I'm sorry. All right. Overall, this isn't a movie I'm longing to see over and over again. But every once in a while is good for me. I mean, there's so many times in this movie where it's just like, wait, did that just, wait, something <laughs> screwy here. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> We're waiting for that one. <laughs> it's very visually stimulating and mentally confusing at the same time. <laughs> it it talks like The Matrix but they have scenes where they explain the confusion. One of the best scenes describing it all is the one with Strange and the Ancient One when she is about to die. Good film, 
bad villain, crazy visuals. To me, solid of the middle, middle of the road. It's a B. Uh, okay. When I first saw this movie, it was the Marvel character I knew the least about. I had tried to read a couple of Doctor Strange comics, but they were so abstract, they were hard to get into. And for a while, I doubted how this would translate to the big screen at all. Then I picked up my 3D glasses and sat in a theater and was blown away. When I left the theater, I could not wait to see it again because it was so dense in content and there were so many details to dive into and explore. It felt like the original trilogy of Star Wars, where there were so many little things that were set aside in, in dialogue that you were like, wait a minute, Clone Wars? What the hell are Clone Wars? I want to I want to hear more about that. Wait a minute. You know, who who is Luke's father? I don't I don't know. I want to know more about that. Who are the Jedi? Who are the Sith? It, it was little things put to the side that you wanted to learn more about. Um, from the visuals to the sound editing, to the music, to the direction, to the acting, to the pacing, to the plot. This is one of the more perfect MCU movies in the catalog. The weak spots feel more like nitpicks, and the strengths are far too many to list. And let's tally off what we get in this film. We get different dimensions and multiverses, which are going to pay off, not just in Infinity War and Endgame, but also in future uh, installments of the MCU. We get another cosmic character in Dormammu. Cosmic characters link this movie it, it, from Earth to the Guardians of the Galaxy and to the Thors of the worlds. We get the Time Stone. The, the, what we thought was the final stone in the gauntlet, but we didn't know that we didn't know what the soul stone was yet. We get the bridge between the magic in Thor and the science in Iron Man. It's the mystical. And finally, we get fantastic characters like the ancient one, Baron Mordo, Kaecilius, Wong, and Doctor Strange. And let's talk about the main character. It's a fantastic arc that is much more significant than Starks in Iron Man 1, since he is sacrificing himself over and over and over again for everyone on Earth. He goes from super arrogant, selfish, and egotistical to super selfless, and it separates this movie from the rest, and it is part of the cream of the crop of the MCU. This is as perfect an origin story as Deadpool and Iron Man, and I'm giving this an A. For abracadabra, baby. <laughs> so, you gave it a B. I gave it an A. Which means that this is going to be a B plus average. Thanks for that. Well, uh, as and it's not making the Pantheon now. An A is a 12. A B is a 9. That makes it a 10.5. And so... Based on the way you feel about this, I don't see how you're making it past Civil War, Winter Soldier, or the Avengers in this. Well, time out. You gave me the option last time of where to put Civil War. Yes, I did. I think it's I think it's only fair that now it's your chance. This is your turn. Oh, in terms a gift. of those B pluses that we have, where should Doctor Strange fall? Okay, I'm going to be very, very honest to a point where I may hurt myself on this one. Okay. Okay. If I have to put it somewhere amongst Civil War, the Winter Soldier, and the Avengers, I'm bumping out the Avengers, and I'm putting Doctor Strange right behind Batman Begins 
Oh, <laughs> that's right. It's going to the number five spot because God damn it, it deserves it. Doctor uh, Strange, B plus ten point five, and I'm gonna get some other people on this show to give it a grade to raise this even further. Um, bye bye the Avengers. You've given us a lot, but uh, oh. It's so beautiful, smack dab in that five spot. Oh, it feels so good. As Sam would say, <laughs> as Sam would say, it's so good. Wow, you, you, you kind of had me there for a little bit. I, 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 at first, I thought he's going to put this at number five. I know he's going to put this as the best, you know, Marvel <laughs> film that we have in there. But I'm thinking, how he's kind of talking. I think he might put it at six. I think he might still put it below Civil War. And then you just go back. I should have went with my gut. Wow. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Well, hey, so our list of movies of the Pantheon, Deadpool number one, Iron Man number two, The Dark Knight number three, number four is Batman Begins, number five, Doctor Strange, number six, Captain America Civil War, and number seven, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Holding on, Winter Soldier. Hold on, baby. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> now, just out of curiosity, do you have do you have the list in front of you right now? Uh, yes, I do. If it was up to you, how would you reorder the seven? Crap, that's a tough question. How would I reorder it? I yeah. would probably put Doctor Strange at number six. Okay. And then knock out Winter Soldier. Oh, wait. So what would so you'd keep Avengers in there? I would keep Avengers. Still would be at. I would pretty much what I would do first is switch Marvels and Captain America to stuff. Then put. I don't know. But but then I don't think I should be able to do that. No, but this is we're playing hypothetical time right now. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I would do. Okay. I would switch Avengers and Winter Soldier, and then put Doctor Strange right underneath Civil War. I would, uh, yeah, I, I personally, I think I'd move Dark Knight ahead of Iron Man. Uh, I'd move, I'd probably move Batman Begins uh, above Iron Man also. So it'd be Deadpool, Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Winter Soldier, and then Civil War. But this is why we do the averages, because not just our, yeah, yeah. it's not just your consensus or my, it's our consensus and so this is where it mathematically lays out and honestly it's a good list <laughs> it is yeah and i i think the uh, uh it's gonna get real tough towards the end but we'll see oh will it ever my friend yeah um, so what did you think do you think um did you love the movie like it or none of the above i love this movie i love it 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 so much. <laughs> if it was, if if you could marry an inanimate objects, I'd bring this to the altar. Okay, wow. Steve, what about you? Would you, uh, would you bring your sling ring to solidify the marriage too? I would make whoopee. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I liked it. Um, it wasn't. This wouldn't be a movie that I would go to right off my shelf and say, "Oh, I want to watch." I see Strange. I got to watch it. But when it came to near this point i think i have a new respect for this movie knowing what i know oh okay and i would i would kind of look forward to watching this again even though it took me a while to finally watch it um for this time what uh, once i was watching I, I was into it so i liked it oh okay okay now ultimate question 
Would pre-college kids love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above? I think it's visually stimulating enough for sure. That's where they would get hooked. Um, I think all the... God, I'm relating myself to a college kid now. <laughs> <laughs> all this, all that other stuff would kind of go over their head. Um, but it's visually pleasing, so I think they would take it. Yeah, I think they would like it. Yeah. I think they would love this movie. It, I, I, it's just... It's a fun watch, and the action scenes are, you can't keep your eyes off it. You know, every time that there's something going on, you're kind of glued to the TV, because you're either going to hear something impressive, or you're going to see something impressive. I hope with college kids, or anybody else, I shouldn't just say college kids, but anybody who watches this film, I think the most important parts is, are the quotes that are in this film. Yeah. And you put that as your, as, as your, uh, as in your top three. And I hope people hear it and pay attention to it. I hope so. Because there's a lot of deep, deep meaning for it. So. Well, you ready to close this out? Let's do it. All right. That's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll continue our look at the MCU with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at Movie Planet Pod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet Podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet Podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Steve, any last words? Still think they need a better security system. (sighs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching!